We're going to read, go to Hosea chapter 10. And I'm going to read, this is actually one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I had the whole message prepared. I was falling asleep last night. By the way, I never do this. I, it was so hot in LA this week. I went to the beach two days in a row. People, I am not a beach person. I don't like the beach. There's sand everywhere. God made me and created me to go to pools. Your boy is sophisticated. I went to the beach twice, two days in a row. And the beach makes you tired, especially when it's hot. I was falling asleep last night, had the message prepared, and I went, just woke up. And I thought, oh, start with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Watch this, Hosea chapter 10. Watch this. It says this, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. Oh, come on, Zoe. I love this. Year five. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Sow for yourselves. In other words, what it's saying is don't sow for others. You got to first sow into your own life. In fact, this chapter that we're going through uh, today of, of how I work with people is called the greatest investment. And the greatest investment you will ever make in your life is not investing into others, but it's first investing in yourself. Most people are the starving baker. The starving baker gives, 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 but never consumes. But the greatest investment you will ever make, and the Bible's talking about it, is the investment into yourself. So for yourselves, righteousness. And did you notice the next part? One translation says, break up the hard ground or the fallow ground. In other words, there's hardness in your life. There's bitterness and complaint and envy, jealousy, discord. Break up all that hardness. Get the soil of your heart right, soft, in a good place. Remember today, as I preach the word, God's word can only land well on good soil. Your heart has to be in a good place to receive what God wants to say. So that's why we worship. We worship and start with a few songs to break up that hardness, to get your heart in a place where you're ready to receive. So for yourself righteousness and break up the hardness, break up the fallowness, break up the, the bad stuff of your heart. For it is time to seek the Lord. What's interesting about following Jesus is that we're seeking him and yet he first sought us. Our desire to follow God is a result of receiving his pursuit of our life. For it is time to seek the Lord. It's time. Listen, I don't know what 2020 has been like for you this year, but I just want to encourage you. It's time to seek the Lord. I know it's been a great five years, Zoe, but it's time to seek the Lord. I don't know where you're financially at, but it's time to seek the Lord. I don't know what relationship stuff you're facing, but it is time to seek the Lord. Stop seeking culture. Stop seeking social media. Stop seeking validation from here, there, and everywhere. It is time to seek Jesus. We need to see him. So, sow for yourselves. Now, the biblical word here that we're using is sow, but in our culture or current translation would use the word invest. Sowing is investing. In fact, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. The Zoe Church, I love this. We're going to some of my favorite verses today. Zoe Church, we found the name of our church 
off this verse. If you don't know the story, September 10th, 1999, I'm in Bible college. I've got hair down to my shoulders, tried to grow it out all curly, look like a surfer, trying to get a girl because I couldn't get one. God was saving me for Julia. Didn't work like Samson, okay? But I'll never forget September 10th, 1999, I'm in a car with a buddy. We're driving up to Big Bear, and um, we're in the car, and he puts in a cassette tape of a preacher named Creflo Dollar. This is how, how old school this is. We're listening to cassette tapes. Some of the people uh, online are Googling cassette tape. What is cassette? Pe- the preacher referred to a cassette. What is that? It's old school, okay? Proof that I'm 40, all right? And we put in this sermon, and I start hearing this preacher break down Galatians 6, 7, 8. Do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. Put it on the screen. For that so whatever a man sows, he shall reap. For the man that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But the man that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let's just go back to verse 7. Do not be deceived. The only thing that is worse than being deceived by somebody else is being deceived by yourself. Thinking you're something you're not. Thinking you're in a place that you're not. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever a man invests, whatsoever a man sows, that he shall reap off the investment. You reap what you sow. The man that sows to the flesh will from reap, uh, sowing in the flesh just reap a world of corruption, corrupted mind, corrupted lifestyle, corrupted morals, because you sow to the flesh. But the man that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And as I sat in the car, he started to break down the Greek word for everlasting life. It is a Greek word named zoe. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm in a car. I'm going up to Big Bear, and God speaks to me and says, the reason why you are where you are and not where you should be is because you've been a young man that is sowed to the flesh, and it's time for you to pivot to sow into the Spirit, and from the Spirit, you will reap Zoe life. And I didn't know at age 19, God was speaking to me about the future church name we would have. Come on, thank God that right now he's talking to you about stuff you, want, you might not see for 10, 15 years to come. God's talking to us about sowing. He's talking to us about investing. Because we got to stop blaming others. We got to get out. I'd love to play the blame game because the blame game is so fun. Isn't it fun to blame others for your problems? Well, if it wasn't for so-and-so and if they would have done this and, well, you know, my boss and my friend and my spouse and my co- and my kids and the blame game is so fun. The only problem with playing the blame game is it doesn't get me anywhere. The common denominator of all my problems is me. The only consistency of all my issues is I'm still in all of my issues. In fact, I want to preach a message today right down the title. I love this title. Stop playing the blame game and start playing the real game, you. Come on, Zoe. We got to stop playing the blame game because the real game is you. 
Jesus talked about this. He said, I don't understand you guys. You are always pointing out the speck in somebody else's eye, but you, you fail to address the plank in your own eye. He said, it's called living a life of a hypocrite. The blame game is a hypocritical life. It's saying they're the problem, they're the issue, their agenda, their political party, their thing, their issue, it's them. No, 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 God first starts with you. He says, no, you sow righteousness. No, you sow to the spirit. No, you invest into your life. They are not the issue. I am the issue. I am broken. I am insecure. I have hurts. I have pain. I have problems. And so God first works in me. He first allows me to drink in his kindness, his grace, his love, and his mercy. He doesn't make them go to drink from the well. He brings me to drink from the well of living water today. Love this about God because God wants to work in you. His passion is you. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God's always addressing you. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story about a guy named Abraham. And when God first addresses Abraham in Genesis 12, chapter 12, he says, Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You will be a father of many nations. He says, listen, you're going to be the, the blessed one. You're going to be the one I work through. God always wants to do something in you. The blessing of God does not rest on your company or your, or your business. It rests on you. God God's always working in you, for it is God who works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Anybody thankful today that we are going to stop playing the blame game and start playing the real game, and that's us. What's the old lyric? I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. we got to stop blaming others and start making the greatest investment, and that's investing into my life into my righteousness, my peace, my joy, my strength. I cannot give away what I do not have. So God first loads me up and builds me up in a holy faith. He says, no, no, no. Before you give away strength, let me give you strength. Before you carry peace, let me give you peace. I want to do a mighty work in you, and eventually I'll do a mighty work through you. But my first concern is your health. My first concern is your life. My first concern is your mind and your soul and your spirit and your countenance and and your excitement about life, so I'm going to work something in you. I wonder what COVID has done to you. I wonder the damage that COVID and the last six months has set in in your life. I think COVID has tried to steal two things, your passion and your purpose. He has come in to take out all of your passion and all of your purpose. When you don't have passion, you feel like you're just a lump on a log. When you don't have passion, it's why get up in the morning. When you don't have passion, you live a life that is lackadaisical by nature. Why? Because there's nothing that's fueling you. So watch this. Passion comes from God. The Holy Spirit works in you to give you fire to live. And then purpose, the why of your life. Purpose in relationship. Purpose for direction. Listen, God is speaking today because he wants to invest into your passion and invest into your purpose. Maybe you could leave today's service knowing that I've got passion from God and I've got purpose on this planet. I really believe that you can make the greatest investment in the investment that is futile, the investment that is barren, the investment that makes no sense at all is investing into why they're the problem. That's not the game. The game is me. 
I got to figure out how to lead me. The hardest person to lead in the world is me. In fact, if you learn how to lead yourself, leading others is easy. But I don't want to waste my life pointing out people's specs when I got a plank in my eye. I don't want to live my life blaming others. Listen, never give people the power or the control over the narrative over your life. God is writing the story of your future. Zoe Church, five years in, only God could write the script. It's not because of Julie and I, our staff, our volunteers. It's a God thing. Let God be the author and the finisher of your life. Come on, let's pray today. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for the freedom that is found in you. We are asking today, open up our eyes. Open up our ears. Open up our hearts. We thank you, God, that you are for us. You are with us. We are thankful for five fruitful, amazing years. We thank you for the next five years, that they will be Ephesians 3.20 kind of years, exceedingly and abundantly, far above anything we could ask, think, or imagine. We vow to give you all the praise and the honor for what you're going to do in Zoe Church and the Lakers in the NBA bubble. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, come on, clap together and thank God. Don't make fun of me for praying for the Lakers. I, I just met somebody in our church. He's been coming to the church for three years. And he said, I'll tell you the reason why I stuck around. Because the first Sunday I came and you prayed for the Lakers. And I was like, all right, let's give him a chance. So there's a few people out there that are giving us a chance. Because we pray for the Lakers. Other people are leaving. They're called Clipper fans. Come on, guys. Okay. Let me give you four things to write down today. Write down number one. Invest in community. Invest in community. We've got to start sowing. We've got to start investing. You might be like, oh, I thought you said we're investing into us and not others. No, no, no. Community is the best investment in your life. The smartest thing you could do is invest in your community because without it, you're not going to develop. You're not going to be strong. You can't step into your future. And community doesn't start with them. It always starts with you. Let me just show you two Proverbs, same chapter, two Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must he himself first be friendly. Look at Proverbs 18, 1. A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, and rages against all wise judgment. What is it about the Bible that it always starts with us? If I want friends, I got to be a friend. If I want community, I got to be in community. We say this all the time at Zoe. Commitment lasts longer in community. You got to go to some ch go to church with some people you know. S commitment to community is the smartest investment into your life. Because isolation is where the enemy wins. It, I, I got to be honest. I don't usually get worried about people in our church, but during COVID the last six months, I just find myself walking in our house being like, I'm worried about people. I'm worried about them. I'm worried about our church. How, how so-and-so. I just find myself as a, as a shepherd worried about the sheep because I know the enemy will jack you up when you're on your own. I know the enemy has his best work, not when you're around people, in the, in the, around the multitude of friends. It is when you are in isolation. And so we are quarantined, but you've got to have a commitment to be connected in the midst of your quarantine. Make an investment into your community. I'm telling you, the best thing that you got going for you is relationships. You're only as rich as your relationships. 
I know he's like cliche and stuff, but I'm 40 and I've got kids and I drive a minivan so I can say cheesy stuff. But your network is your net worth. Your community is the greatest thing you got going for you. It's not everything in your business place. It's not everything in your bank account. It is the community of relationships that are around you, that support you and love you and believe in you. And so you've got to make an investment. Listen, invest into community. Do whatever. Listen, I don't know if it's a Taco Tuesday. We've got this thing at our house right now. We started branding every night where people get to choose the meal. So like Mondays is Maverick Monday. Tuesdays, of course, is Taco Tuesday. There's Winston Wednesday. Clivey Boy gets Thursday. Julia has Friday. It's our day off. We let the queen. She runs the show. But Sundays, your boy's got Sunday. You know, we, you know, it's an early day, and I get to choose the meal at night. But I just, Tuesday, every Tuesday, we get tacos, and we probably eat too many. But we try and do it with community because we know how good it is for us. Are other people benefiting? Sure. But I'm the greatest beneficiary of being connected to other people. Make the decision right now that you are committed to your community. Write down five names and say, this is my community. Write down your crew, your squad, whoever you're rolling with. Be like, this is my people. I'm rolling with them. Are they weird? Yeah, a yeah, little bit. Are some of them like, ah, how'd you get here? Yeah, sure, yes. But it doesn't matter. Community is messy, and I'm down for it. I've made a commitment. Remember, if you're going to be a part of community, it's messy. It's all kinds of problems. There's issues. There's offenses. It's part of being in community. But isn't it beautiful? Because I always feel like conflict gives us a greater chance to have a greater commitment to each other. So the first investment I'm asking you to make is a commitment to community. Write down the next one is invest in time off. Oh, I love this one because it's like, dude, if you're going to make it, if you're going to get far in life, if you're going to do really, really well, you have to rest really, really well. A couple of quotes with that, things to write down. If you ain't rested, you ain't ready. In fact, if you want to do a good day's work, get a great night rest. Because if you ain't re rested, you ain't ready. And Jesus knows this. So Jesus, watch what he says to you and I. Jesus addresses us in Matthew. And he says this in verse 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and I'll, I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, you are not happy when you're in grind mode. You are not happy when you just work, 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 work. You are not happy that way. You are happy when you obey the rhythm God has established. So God models it, and then he commands it. He models it first, because remember, God will never ask you to do anything he's not willing to do himself. So God builds the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, God himself rested. And then when God gives us the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, God says, six days you shall work. By the way, work is a gift from God. Working is a gift, passion and purpose. That's a gift from God. God has created us to work. We are called to work, to be fruitful and multiply. This is God's calling. So God asks you to work six days, but he says on the seventh day, rest. Why 
do you need rest? Because if you're not rested, you're not ready. And you need one day to recall. What do I do on my day off? I look back on the last six days and I think, wow, God, you have been so good, so faithful the last six days. You have provided for me. You have been speaking to me. You have been giving me grace. God, thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for it. And that rest allows me to rewind the tape to thank God for his faithfulness. But then it pivots me to get some faith for my future. All of this happens in my day of rest. That I'm mindful of what God has done and I'm excited about what he's going to do. Is anybody grateful today that I can rest. Resting also is symbolic that my heart understands I don't produce it all. I don't make it all happen. I am not forced to earn or strive or make it all happen. The seventh day of rest is to be reminded even while I don't work, you do. Even while I'm sitting here or enjoying my hobbies or in my sake, you know, trying to chase my four children all over the house. Even as I don't work for a day, God, I am trusting that you are working. Can I just encourage you? You need to invest in a time off. You need to invest in a time that you unplug your phone, delete social media apps, get away, take a trip. The other day I was in the central coast of California and I was like, this is only a five hour drive. I was like, Julia, I want to come here all the time. We need time off. Why? Because that time off gets us excited about the future. It reminds us of how good God has been. You need a moment to just pause. Say, God, you have been better than I deserve. You have been greater than I could have ever imagined. And I need this time to carve out some space and make a little room to remind myself, oh, you have been great, and wow, you want to do something. Lord, prepare me with passion and prepare me with purpose for the things you have for my life and for my family. If you agree with it, put an amen in the chat. Put an emoji in the chat. Thank God we are going to invest so rest into your future. Write down the third one. You need to invest into your development. Invest into you. Oh, I love this. In fact, in this chapter, I start out with the illustration of LeBron James. Of course, LeBron and the Lakers made it into help. I work with people. What did you expect from this author, okay? But I talk about in the beginning of this chapter how LeBron James spends $1.5 million a year on his body. It's the greatest investment he makes. This is everything from therapy to physical trainers to chefs. He understands that investing $1.5 million into himself, it allows him to go out and produce on a greater, greater scale. you got to understand, you're your greatest investment. To invest into you. What books are you reading? What podcasts are you putting in? What mentors are you establishing? You're the greatest investment you'll ever make. So you're going to invest into you. Everybody wants to be a blessing, but you got to be blessed first. You got to get some blessing in your life. Oh, I love this verse. Watch this. And this is in Second uh, Peter. It says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. Without these qualities... 
You can't see what's right before you. Oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. What is the Bible saying? Don't waste a minute. Add, invest, develop, spend time investing into you. He said, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out on what God is doing right in front of your life. But when you invest into you, you're aware, I'm not yet complete. I am not yet perfect. I am not yet there. Anybody feel like me today? Are you a work under construction? I should walk around just with an under construction shirt. I am not perfect. I have not arrived. I have so much growing. I have so much maturing to do. And I need to add and invest in my life. I need to not be satisfied with where I am. But I need to realize God wants to do something great in me and something great through me. But So i got to make that investment. And by the way, let me just encourage you, for those of you that are under guilt and under shame, nobody grows like this. If you'll notice your life, you grow like this, and then this, and then this, and then you grow. 2020 is that year, like January, we always started with 20 days of pr- 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's like, vroom. and then February, we had the Super Bowl party. Vroom. And then by June, you're like, because no one grows like this. This last year, I got an opportunity to go preach at Saddleback Church for Pastor Rick Warren, who's, you know, America's pastor for the, feels like the last two, three decades and just such a hero in the faith. And I was talking to him about his book, Purpose Driven Life. Oh, Jesus, what a book. I think it is second only to the Bible as far as sales go. And he talked about how he believes his church, Saddleback, was built off campaigns. So Purpose Driven Life, if you remember or if you've ever read it, it is 40 days of purpose. Because he believes what I believe. People grow in spurts. People grow in little seasons. But they don't grow all day long. They don't grow all year long. They grow just, what's your diet? Like if anybody ever does paleo or that Julia and Jasmine, uh, it was a big part of our church. They do this 30 day eating plan. It's like 30 days. They're just like boom, dialed in. And I'm like 30 days. I feel awful about myself, but it's 30 days. You know what? 21 days of prayer and fasting, 40 days of purpose. You got to be a little bit more gracious with yourself. If you don't feel like you've been growing all 2020, maybe you take the next 21 days and you dedicate it to God. Maybe you take the next 10 days and you say, I'm going to read books. What is it in your life? Invest into your development. Invest into who you are. The greatest investment you will make is into you, your reading time, your prayer time, your worship time, your family, your make an investment into you. And the last one I want to encourage you with, we're making th- four investments in this time. We're sewing into four areas. His, write down number four, worship team, you could join me. Invest into building your team. Oh, I love this one. Invest into building your team. You need a squad. You're going to get to where God has called you. You need a team. Jesus is so good. He's starting his ministry. He's like, all right, if I'm going to start ministry, God, I'm building a team. It's like you, fishermen, you guys look good. Come on. Oh, you guys are tax collectors? Great. You guys are brothers? They're brothers too. This is awesome. We're on a team. Come on, 12s on three. Seahawk fans got that. 12s on three. One, two, three, 12s. First thing Jesus did to do something great on the earth was build a team. I wonder if you've got a team. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, there is wisdom 
in the multitude of counselors. You're only as good as your team. You're only as good as the people. Now listen, I need you to understand something. Not everybody that is for you is good for you. Because your team can't just be yes people. Can't just be people that are for you. they got to be people that are going to give you wise counsel. Godly counsel. I mean talking to you like, that's cool, but you know what? Jesus wants you to do this. God's saying this. The, the people that really know you. Come on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not saying you got to share all your junk out in the streets, but there needs to be, be some people in your life that are on the team. And come hell or high water, they're like, I'm riding with you. I rolled in with you. I'm rolling out with you. I'm on the team. And just because you're in a funky place doesn't mean I'm out of the team. I'm committed to you in your worst, darkest moments. I'm on the team. Can I ask you today, do you have a team? Do you have people that are ride or die? Do you have people that are with you? Do you have people that are just like, you know what? I know you're not perfect. I've seen your, I've seen your bad stuff. I've seen your weaknesses. I've seen the flesh you. I've seen the real you. And yet I'm still committed. God sent me here. It's like a relationship that's covenant. I'm committed to you. I'm riding with you. And I want to see as you invest in your life, I want to see you win. The people that are on your team cannot be provoked to jealousy by your success. They cannot be hating on you in private. They gotta be they gotta be praising you in public and praising you in private. You gotta invest in your team. So I'm talking about four investments, four things to sow in your life. I want you to do this with all your heart. You need to sow into your community. There is a difference between the community and the team. Sow into your community, sow into your time off, sow into your development so you can grow, and sow into your team just love this. I remember back in the day, T-Mobile had this commercial. Like, maybe it was like the sidekick days. I always wanted the sidekick. Coolest commercials. T-Mobile had this commercial. It's like top five. And I remember Dwayne Wade was in the commercial. Charles Barkley's in the commercial. And like, who's, your, who's in your top five? I want to encourage you. And I want to ask you that question. Who's in your top five? Because I don't need just one person. I need like parents, pastors, my connect group leaders. I need friends that love me. I need people. The people I'm building my life with are the people I'm journeying with. They're on my team. God loves you so much. He'll send you a team. This is just wise stuff today. You're like, well, is the gospel in this? Absolutely. Because I'm going to end with a verse that you need to understand that Jesus said this in the book of Luke. In fact, let me read it and then I'll explain it. I love this. In Luke, Jesus says this. He's talking about the wise man that invests well. Luke chapter 6. Let me describe the one who follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and the foundation, when the storms and floods rage against the house, it continues to stand strong even when the tempest comes, for it has been wisely built on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds his house with le- without laying any foundation whatsoever. When the storms and the floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss which of the two builders will you be? You're going to play the blame game your whole life. They're the problem. They're the issue. It's my coach's fault. 
my parents' fault, my aunt's fault, my grandma's fault. It's their fault. Are you going to play the real game? Because the real game is you. The thing that Jesus is trying to do is work in you. He's trying to get you to build your life on his word, his teachings, his values, his principles, his kingdom on the good news of Jesus. We're driving by this property the other day and it just looked destroyed. Just looked like it was just, I don't know what happened here, but it just looked like it crumbled to the ground here in LA. Like, you know, I expect to see that somewhere where a Katrina or a Harvey happens, but not in LA. Just looking at that and I wonder in 2020, is your life a reflection of destruction? That COVID-19 has destroyed. Maybe it's destroyed your passion. Maybe it's destroyed your purpose. Maybe it's destroyed everything you are. Guess what? It's a new season and it's a new day and the best is yet to come. And just that fast, you can receive grace. You can receive love. You can receive strength. Oh, I hear heaven say, sow for yourselves righteousness. Break up all the hardness. Break up all the bitterness. Break up all the despair. It's time to seek the Lord. Because God's trying to do something. God's trying to build something. He's not satisfied yet. He's going to do something in you so he can do something through you. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I felt like telling somebody, stop playing the blame game. I'm the game. Surrender to Jesus. Make the best decision. My life is your life. I'm in it to win it. Your will be done, not my will. Oh, come on, if you believe it today.